today on The Breakdown. It's a hand from a tournament. It's a weird hand from a big tournament. It's the PokerStar Stadium Series. We're at the final table. First place is over a quarter of a million dollars. And these two players, one of them, Phil McAllister, who you may remember from a very famous hand we did many years ago, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, very shortly, plays his ace-queen weirdly, and his opponent, Vlad the Slayer, he plays his ace-king also very weirdly. There's a lot of money on the line. These are two guys with a lot of chips relative to the rest of the table, and they are going to clash right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Clash time. Yeah, it's an online poker hand because there is a pandemic, but still we can get new poker content because of the internet, Jonathan. What a marvel this internet is. I'm so glad that it was invented a few years ago. I mean, two or three years ago. It was invented at some point, and it was a number of years ago. And if you are one of those fools who thinks it was invented by, in air quotes, humans, then, you know, congratulations. <laughs> nice. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you got all Bs in high school. Nice job. <laughs> Good job, Billy. Yeah. But obviously, it was invented by aliens. That's what Elon told me. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, PokerStar Stadium Series, I guess they're kind of doing like a competing series with the Online World Series of Poker. Yeah. Nice. They have low, medium, and high events. Uh, this is a high event. It's $2,100 buy-in. And uh, yeah, Phil McAllister is Grindation. That's his name on PokerStars. It, uh, he, he was the guy who made the Royal Flush Deep in an EPT three or four years ago, some, somewhere around that time. Yeah. Um, it was during a live stream, so we never actually got to see his opponent's cards because they were not at a table that had RFID chipping. Uh, and there were many theories about what his opponent had. We had people telling us, like, oh, he definitely had a set of eights. He's my friend. And then other people would be like, no, he had a straight. I, I could tell you because of X and Y. It was very strange, all the theories surrounding the Royal Flush's opponent's holdings, but we never really figured it out. No, we, we always thought we were going to because PokerStars actually did cover that event but then they never released it as an event you know what i mean that was when they just stopped doing yeah. releasing even though it was the pca it was really strange it seemed like that would be one of the highlight hands of the se- of the of the season of the year even for poker stars but instead we never got to find out what that dude had he thought for minutes before folding uh, paul tedeschi had flopped a set of queens and slow played it and phil McAllister backdoored his way into a royal flush it was pretty amazing man that seems like a long time ago now, it I was. guess. It's been a while. It was a long time yeah. ago. Well, Phil McAllister is still grindationing it out. Uh, we don't know who his opponent is in real life. We just know that the poker star's name is Vlad the Slayer. Actually, that's not his poker star's name. It's Vlad the Slay. There is no R oh, on the Oh, Vlad the Slay. Yeah, I said it just wrong, Just with an too, E? But, uh, yeah, just with an E. I thought it was just covered up because there is an E at the end. Yeah. So I thought like it was too long and like the avatar covered it up or something. It's a fair reason to think that, but that is not the case. Those, those kids with their online handles, they get clever, you know? You can't trust them. Yeah. Their Facebook sometimes, and their Insta. Sometimes they'll use like a zero in place of an O yeah. or a one in place of an I. Yeah. Or sometimes their name will end with a number 69 and you'll be like, what does that mean? 
and they won't tell you. I keep asking, and they won't tell me. There was there was and, this, yeah, and it makes me sad. <laughs> There's this one guy who I played against whose name was B zero zero B Z Z, and I was like, "What is that? Is that some sort of like Illuminati code?" And then I is he trying to send signals? Yeah, via his screen name to his co-conspirators. But then I, I looked at it again without really trying so hard, and I suddenly got it. You know, it was boobs. Oh, boobs. Oh, I thought it was, it was like some sort of some sort of national treasure clue to the I mean, next artifact. Why can't it be both? <laughs> I guess it could be. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Did you know if you follow if you follow the boobs, you will find that. Underneath Lincoln's statue is, in fact, a document older than time itself. They, they made two National Treasure movies, I think, right? I think they might have made a third one. <laughs> really? That was, like, without any of oh, the original cast type. But one count. of those, like, it's like Home Alone 4 exactly. style. Exactly. You know? Fucking Butterfly Effect 7. Austin Kutcher was in <laughs> yeah. one of them. But they keep making fucking Butterfly Effect movies. I don't know why. I mean, I like time travel as much as, you know, the next nerd. But, uh... Come on. We're, we're done with that. Move on. Speaking of nerds, this hand was suggested by Alex Trembath. Oh! <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha, Trembath. Yeah. <laughs> Finally nailed him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Alex, uh, I don't know if he's a nerd or not. Might be. Might not be. Might be super cool, non-nerd type. Anyway, he suggested it on Twitter. We are the Poker Guys on Twitter, at the number two Poker Guys. He included a YouTube link and a timestamp. That is what you have to do if you want to suggest a hand for the breakdown. I really got a problem with what you just said. Major Explain. You, made it, you said maybe he's not a nerd. Maybe he's super cool. So nerds can't be super cool now. There's like the nerds you know are kind of the opposite of being cool. Go ahead. Yeah. I take issue with the now common <laughs> definition. Definition is not strong enough. Yeah. With the now common fetishization wow. of, of nerd <laughs> culture with like... There's like so many pretend nerds out there like, oh, I read one book in the year 2018. I am a nerd. You know, like, no, you're not. Stop it. A nerd is somebody who doesn't shower and collects figurines well into their 40s. I'm talking about old school 80s definition nerds. That's what I'm talking about. No, no. Old school. The old school 80s definition nerds are people who care about the MCU. But the problem is. So many normal people, normal people now care about the MCU. There's been this weird crossover, and people who were once seen as outcasts are now seen as like it's cool, you know, about that stuff. And people want to talk about Thor. For, well, finally, it really depends. Finally, no, it's, it's not about that. It's a. I think to me, it's more about behavior than it is about the level of knowledge. I mean, the level of knowledge is to me a byproduct of the nerddom yeah. in general, which includes kind of like an insular personality and a deep dive into these types of fictional things. So, like, maybe somebody who is, in air quotes, cool would be talking to this nerd and be like, yeah, I liked Thor Ragnarok. I liked it for this. And But, like, if the nerd, by my definition, would be going, like, way into the deep depths yeah. of, like, the comic book history and the other person would be extremely bored and also not willing to follow what they were saying. Sure. Like, that, that's where I'm going with it. I will grant you that there is a whole subsection of, like, superhero culture, which is now clearly, like, way, way, way mainstream, but of, like figurines that get made, expensive figurines that get made every month, like a cool new Batman figurine, which is like $380. And I don't know who's buying these things, but I, I see them come up on different like parts of the internet where I happen to be you know, browsing. And, uh, and it's like, look at this awesome new thing. And, and I always like, I don't know why anyone would want that. But, but people clearly buy it. There's clearly a market for it. And um, 
So, so yeah, and that's not even really a col- maybe it is a collectible. I don't think of it as a collectible. Even it's just sort of like uh, I want to have an expensive Batman statue in my on my desk or something like that. Which I I can't relate to that. As someone who grew up collecting comic books, I can't relate to that. You know, is uh is the pivot point for the common perception of nerds Revenge of the Nerds? Because that movie, mm. it kind of embodies both perceptions. It starts with like, yeah, these guys, they can't hang socially, but by the end, they're the cool guys. They're not the even cool they're guys. Still... They're not the cool guys even at the end. They are not. They're not? They're very much I don't much remember not. that well. They're very much nerds all the way through and, not, and like kind of made fun of for being as such. We just relate to them now. But they're not the cool guys ever. Now, like maybe the hot chicks who they're trying to get with like them at the end, but we're not supposed to think they're cool, really. They're still nerds, hardcore from that movie. Hardcore. One of the name, okay, one of their so names was Booger, and they called him Booger because he ate his boogers in front of everyone. I believe, you know. I mean, it was, it was, and he's one of the heroes. I mean, it's just not. It wasn't pro nerd, okay. <laughs> that wasn't the pivot point. <laughs> I don't think it was. Now, I will say, Big Bang Theory may have been a little bit of the pivot point with some of this stuff, hmm. where those guys are clearly nerds, but they are supposed to be seen as the heroes, and we're supposed to not just relate to them, but think. They get it in a way that maybe, even though they love video games more than mainstream people, I can't believe we're talking about this, and like Green Lantern <laughs> more and whatever, and they're like one of them is clearly autistic, for example. Um, I don't know. I don't know, what, I don't know what we're talking about anymore. I feel like we've lost the plot. <laughs> How did we get here? Why are we talking about this? Aren't we supposed to do a poker hand? I think a lot of people would say, though, people like you and me who care this much, who can talk for an hour about a poker hand, would fall into the category of nerds. Yeah, I think that is fair. Yeah. And I think that we both, probably you more than me, but we both tend towards some nerdy, nerdy yeah, behaviors. I agree. For sure. Me more as than As far you. as, yeah, but, but mostly that it, I'm relating that not to how we interact socially with people, but how we deep dive into certain topics. That's fair. Being a little, diff, a di- a little different, you know? Yeah, uh, that's totally fair. Okay. Anyway, just another, just another breakdown. What are we ever doing is my question. I mean, how are we're... we- we're we're sparking joy. We're sparking joy. That's what we're doing. <sighs> I just wonder, like, I'm going to look at the numbers, the listener numbers, and see if they're just declining. <laughs> this is like, how are we talking about this on a poker podcast? This is insane. Because it's a fun thing. To do. I mean, we're no, just, we're it's letting fine. it, it's fun. Yeah, you people want just pure, pure strategy. We can do that, but it's going to lose a little bit of the fun, man. Yeah. I don't know if I'm willing to do that. I agree. I agree. I'm not willing to do it. I mean... When we're, so we've been doing, uh, for those of you who don't know, we've been doing World Series of Poker Final Table Commentary uh, this summer because it's online and GG Poker reached out to us and asked us if we wanted to do it, so we're doing it, and it's great. But one of the things about it is there's a lot of action, and I don't mean action like crazy things are happening, I just mean there's a lot of decisions that happen quickly because it's online, and so, there's, so often we're just sort of calling the action or talking about something quickly before we move on to the next hand. There's not a huge amount of room for us to just... Stretch our legs, if you will. Yeah. But we've, we're starting to find little pockets even within that to go there. I mean, there's breaks. There's six-minute breaks every hour. Last, yeah. last night we did a stream, and a, a viewer asked what we thought about the ethics of, of playing poker against people who are addicted to gambling. And, I mean, like, we could have talked for hours about that, but we, pretty we used just the break. We used the break to talk about it. Honestly, we did that. Someone, the same guy asked us about the differences between online and tournament play. Oh, sorry, uh, cash and tournament play. And you would think that would be kind of a boring answer, but actually, you and I had disagreements about certain things, like had a little debate, even in five minutes, yeah. and like real things happened in that. It was pretty interesting. What, what is higher so anyway. EV, and why, you know, et cetera, et cetera? Well, 
that's yeah. I mean, we're never going to go off brand and, and never talk about things that no. aren't just purely the hand. But speaking of which, let's talk about the hand because that is really what we center this thing all around, right? It, so let's do that. It is the format. Fair yeah. enough. And you know, this hand is quite an interesting one. It I, really some is. Some of the decisions. These are some head scratching decisions. Some of these things and. It's not head scratching in a way that it's like that's clearly bad. It's just head scratching in a way that's like I wouldn't have done it that way, and I wonder what the reasoning behind it is. Maybe it's good, mm-hmm. you know. I and so those are fun hands for me. I like it. So let's get to it. Okay. So we do have nine remaining. Twenty three thousand dollars is the current payout on this two K buy in. First is two hundred and sixty one k. So you can more than ten x the current payout if you get to first. Obviously, getting from ninth to first is not an easy task. It'll be a little easier for Vlad the Slay than the other players who has 25 million in their stack at 80k, 160k. That is really nice at the final table of a big tournament to have that many chips. Yeah. Yeah, it's like over 150 blinds and is the clear far away chip leader at this point, right? Yeah, by far. Phil McAllister, who is Grindation, I believe is second in chips. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll take another look real quick. Tonka has chips, I think, also. Oh, Tonka, Tonka has a little bit more. Tonka's got over 11 million, but yeah. Grindation uh, has 8.6 million and is third in chips. Yep. So, like, 55 blinds and third in chips. And under the gun is Phil McAllister, Grindation, going to open Ace of Hearts, Queen of Clubs to 320K. Vlad the Slay is in the hijack. Again, we are at a full ring. And has Ace King off, Ace of Clubs, King of Spades. How do you proceed against a fifty-five blind effective stack who you know is a good player in this spot? I mostly am three betting this hand. I understand it's uh, we're going up against under the gun and all that, but I don't. This Ace King doesn't really want to see a flop multi ways, which if we call, we're encouraging that. We do sometimes might encourage a squeeze, which would be a reason to call. Um, but but unless I think there's guys who are apt to squeeze behind me, I think I'm mostly just three betting and not worrying about it. Are you folding to a four bet? Uh, from from specifically McAllister. Yeah, I understand. Under the gun. Uh, if he for if he shoves, are you asking my folding to a shove? Because that's different than my. I folding mean, effective, to a four bet. it's going to effectively be a shove, right? I mean, well, it, he's made it three twenty. He's got eight point six to to start. What are we making it? We're making about a million. We're going to have to make it a million. Yeah. So he would. Have, so and he could make of, it. He's out of position. He could make it two point three. Um, and then we could. We, we could move in or we could call. I probably can't fold if he makes a 2.3, but I don't have to necessarily move in. I could call and see a flop in position. Um, seems crazy to three-bet fold ace-king. Yeah, which is actually why I like flatting better than three-betting against a good player with 55 blinds under the gun. I think it's the wrong stack size to three-bet ace-king against, and I think it's fine to have it in your flatting range and position some of the time. I think it's okay to see a plot multi-ways with ace-king. It's not like the end of the world. It's not the end of the world, but it just doesn't play super well. It, it has a lot of weird reverse implied odd stuff going on for it. You know, the more the more players we get in, um, where like it's if we flop a pair, we're always top top. We can't not be top top, and it's we're pretty married to it. You know, and and we've underrepped our hand, but since we're letting guys like the big blind in pretty cheaply, there's a lot of weird stuff that can be in there. That's all. Yeah, but to your point. Um... Like what was implicit in your point is that a large value of three betting that is not really talked about as much is just the isolation of the original opener. Mm-hmm. And the and that often implies that the original opener has a lot of flats once you three bet because some of these hands you don't want to get four bet, but you do want to isolate. Mm-hmm. And this is a scenario where you're the most likely to get four bet by the original opener when they open under the gun at a full table. Sure. So that 
that is to me in favor of flatting versus three betting. So what are you doing with jacks here? Probably flatting. What are you doing with queens? Mix. I'm mixing ace king too. Okay. But I, I'd rather flat jacks than ace king. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think I, I think I slightly prefer flat with ace king. I strongly prefer flat with jacks versus a three bet. Just because you can get blown off the hand and or or, yeah. or I guess you don't have to get blown off it. But I think if we don't think this player's got a lot of wacky moves, then we could put ourselves in some really weird spots where we end up folding a coin flip spot, which would be terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could just decide not to fold, but we do block aces and kings. It's only 55 blinds. Like 55 blinds is a lot, but it's also only 55 blinds. You know, it's not 100. Yeah, but blinds. it's like. Pretty clearly unprofitable against the under-the-gun range to get 55 blinds in with ace King. If he doesn't have a lot of dance moves, it's pretty clear. I mean, if it's Vanessa Selbst, we can go, yeah, right? Yeah, then it's... Maybe if it's, uh, like, one of the known most maniacal players in the world in tournaments, yes, I agree. And then, I then mean, it might even I be... I think you're overstating yeah. that wildly. Like, if they just have four-bet bluffs here with any frequency at all, I think ace-king's fine. Because that means... Because their four-bet bluffs are going to be hands where we're dominating. They're usually going to be like ace-five and stuff. It's going to be a hand we really want to get it in against. We're going to crush their bluffs. I agree with you entirely theoretically, but I think in practice, even among good players, it's very difficult to find a player in this specific scenario who is willing to pull the trigger on a four-bet bluff from under the gun when they get three-bet by the chip leader, when they're third in chips, when, like, it's really, really yeah. tough for the original three-better to have a bluffy-type hand anyway. That's true. I agree with both those both those statements for sure. I think situationally that we're the, the situation we're in exactly now with the chip stacks being what they are, the bluffs are way less likely on all fronts. So anyway, yeah. I think I think it's really fine to three bet this hand. I actually still lean towards. I still think I prefer it to calling, but I think I think mixing is a good idea. I think we should call sometimes, especially if we think there's some squeezes behind us. That's that makes that really makes me swing towards calling a lot more if we think there's any kind of squeeze potential, you know. Yeah, there are a couple shorter stacks behind, I think. Um, let me take a look. Yeah, there's a, there is a stack that has under 20 bigs. Yeah, that's uh, who, who is in the, on the button. Uh, so that's pretty helpful. There's a, a stack that has like 40 bigs in the big blind. Not quite as likely to squeeze, yeah. but potential. Hey, there's another, so, sorry, there's another thing that can come up here with the squeeze, though, which is we call the 20 blind stack shoves. And then uh, Phil McAllister, who's under the gun here, has a hand like pocket nines and reshuffs. And what's our plan? We don't know, well, we don't know think, what he has, actually. But, but, but I believe he'd be shoving with a wide enough range that we probably shouldn't fold ace-king. But now we're all in again against the under-the-gun range, which is not ideal, right? I think we can fold in that scenario. We've only committed two blinds to the pot. It's not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. We're not doing incredibly well against the range anyway, so we're folding a flip for two blinds. It's not a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, we could be up against ace queen, but probably that's it, right? Ace jack is probably yeah. not even going with it, right? So no, so it's just ace queen. Everything else is a flip. That's true, or worse. Yeah, usually not worse though. Like I don't think we have to be yeah. too worried about worse, right? I think part of it also depends on like, uh, like how much gamble we have and wh- where we think we sort of stand relative to the table in terms of our skill level. Like, the better we think the table is, and actually, this is a pretty skilled table. Uh, there's other guy, Anton Wigg is at this table also. Another guy is at this table. Um, that'd be another reason to go with it in that spot, right? But that's, that's a separate piece, for sure. Anyway, yeah. okay, just wanted to explore that for a second. Just a quick question. Would you like flatting a little bit more if the Ace-King was suited? Uh, a little bit more, yeah, I would. 
I would. That gives me a lot more things I can do with it post-flop, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, either way, Vlad the Slay decides flatting is the right move. All right. Does flat in the hijack with the ace-king to the min open. Had 25 million to start the hand, as I said, which is, you know, it's like 160 blinds. It's a lot of, it's a lot of chips. Um, everybody else folds, so we get to be heads up. What right. a joy. What a deal. The pot is 1.06 million. Nitrogen Sports is the sponsor of this podcast. Yeah. Those are two things that I'm just going to say, and there's a semicolon in between them. Hyphen, Nitrogen Sports, the future of betting is here or something. That's like their actual slogan, I think. I think it's Nitrogen Sports, fly like an eagle, sing like a bee. (laughs) Bees, actually, like we we can't hear their voices because of the frequencies, but when you use technology to enhance the sounds, it's actually quite beautiful. Supposedly, uh, they are the most uh, sonorous insect in nature. According to our planet, anyway, you know, and David Attenborough. So, so you're not including like genetically modified insects, because you said insect in nature. Yeah, yeah, in nature. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, obviously genetic. I mean, you put the voice of Beyonce in one of these fucking caterpillars. Of course, it's going to be the best. That's not fair. You're going to put you just you put James Taylor's voice in one of these things. You know what you just did? What did I inadvertently? Do? What you. Just made us a lot of money because we are pitching this to Pixar. <laughs> and we're going to be rich. This is kind of a brilliant idea without even knowing yeah. it. It's true. I was just doing a bit. Yeah. Well, always just doing a bit. But Nitrogen is not doing a bit when you ask for your money. They're not like, ha ha, just kidding. They're like, hey, guess what? Here it is, buddy. 90 minutes because we don't mess around with your money. When you withdraw your money, you get it in 90 minutes from Nitrogen. Other sites don't do that, Jonathan. I can't figure out why they don't do it, but they sure as hell don't, and it infuriates me because I know that it's possible because Nitrogen does it. It is a Bitcoin-only site. They also have our monthly tournament. It is a 0.1 millibit buy-in with a 100 millibit guarantee that, based on the price of Bitcoin, varies a little bit. Right now, that would mean it's like a dollar and twenty cents almost to mm-hmm. buy in, um, and the guarantee is twelve hundred dollars. Guess what? They cap it at 300 players. Guess what? You'd need 1,000 players to meet the guarantee. Guess what that means, Jonathan? It means it's plus EV, which we love in poker. Yeah. So tell them when it is. I forgot. Tell them what? When it is. It's at I the end of the remember. month. It's at the end of every oh, yeah. single month. I just wanted you to be able to talk. I appreciate I've been it. For a while. I, I feel yeah. really left out. <laughs> so keep going. You got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is why I kept talking. Uh, yeah. Use the link in the description when you sign up or you won't get access to that tournament, that sweet, sweet, juicy tournament. Yeah. And uh, yeah, get you, get you some poker and some nitrogen. You got to do it. You got to do All it. All right. Let's, get, let's right. get back to the hand. Let's do it. We got a lot to cover still. We do. We just talked about the, like, the, the ace-king flatting versus three-betting debate is actually really a necessary debate, but you know, mm-hmm. there's much more nuanced stuff that happens here. Um, pot is 1.06 million ace queen off for grindation under the gun and Vlad the slay with ace king off. The flop is seven of diamonds, queen of diamonds, nine of spades. Neither player holds a diamond in their hand. Phil McAllister grindation under the gun has flopped top, top. It's kind of a terrible flop for the ace king against yeah. the under the gun opening range. Like, Almost always behind, unless you have the same hand, right? Or maybe ace-jack. 
is is what you're beating. Uh, yeah, I think it's not a great spot. Yeah, Ace Jack, All Ace right, Ten so suited. We're, we're we're beating Ace Ten suited. Yes, King yeah. Jack suited. There's a few things. Yeah, depending on if King Jack suited is in the opening range, it's not in everybody's nine handed opening range. I, I'd be gun. surprised if the guy in third and chips at, at a final table isn't opening King Jack suited. But you're right; we don't know. Anyway, Queen of Diamonds, Seven of Diamonds, Nine of Spades. What do you want to do with your Ace Queen? You're under the gun. Um, I would like to bet. Yeah, seems like a reasonable thing. We're we're betting with almost our entire range, I think, on this board because our entire range is very strong here, right? As we're saying, like we're beating like almost everything. Grand Ace King misses, Ace Jack misses. There's some misses here, but like we have all the sets, we have over pairs, we have Ace Queen. We've got strong draws. I don't know why we aren't betting. Like, our opponent often has a hand that they can call with, potentially, on this somewhat wettish board. Also, there's a lot of medium pocket pairs that our opponent may call once with. There are things to protect against a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. I just don't know why we wouldn't bet. It feels like a very obvious bet. I actually think I found the answer as to why Phil McAllister doesn't bet. Okay, cool. Because uh, he does Good. check. He in, in your description. In your description there, I think I found the answer. I know. I said it, that, too. I was aware of it. Go ahead. Oh, yeah? What, what do you think it is? The protection thing, right? There's not much to protect yeah. against? Yeah. There's well, like, no, that's not... Oh, actually, oh. no. It's a different type oh. of protection. How about that? It's protecting protecting the checking range. Uh, because you named a lot of super strong hands that uh, our ace-queen was the weakest of them, right? You Sets, over pairs, and top-top. So this is a kind of a nice hand to be able... Because you also have an ace which protects you from your opponent outdrawing you on the turn. If they have something like ace-10, obviously, that's a good card for you. Um, this protects you from being check folding too often when you have hands that you, you just are playing face up like two eights or something like that. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I don't really agree with you. I got to tell you, we have so many other hands we can do that with that are medium strength. This is not a medium strength hand. This is a very strong hand on this board. Um, I'm not saying we should never check a hand like this, but we should usually be betting this hand. Like we have other top pairs we could check if we really want to. We have middle pair we can check. We have pocket tens. We have pocket jacks. We have pocket eights. We have all the stuff we could check that is pretty good and plays really How well. How do we as a have check. middle pair? What? How do we have middle pair? Ten How do we have middle suited? pair. Ace nine suited. Ace nine suited, really? Yeah. You'd... Under the gun. Yeah, it's a tournament table where you got a lot of chips. You don't think like okay. a, one of the tournament chip leaders isn't is is definitely not playing ace nine suited? I think I think I would be surprised. I would expect him to play king ten suited also. By the way, which is something we didn't mention before as another miss on this board. Like I just think there's I just think you're I disagree with you how how tight you think his range is. I guess that's all. We don't know. Well, we don't know. I don't. Okay, so this is not necessarily evidence that I'm right and you're wrong, but um, like covering these World Series of Poker final tables, players have been playing in. Uh, much tighter way than especially you expect. And that includes their ranges and that includes the hands that they're continuing with yeah. on, on certain boards. And I think you might have a bit too loose of a perception of how the top players are currently playing at these tables. I disagree pretty strongly actually with what you're saying. Uh, they've been playing tight more, more tighter than I expect for sure, but not actually with their opening ranges almost ever. It's usually their response to someone else opening. That's been really tight. Actually, we've seen lots of players open wildly wide at these World Series final table, shockingly wide sometimes, like under the gun, just a ridic- ridiculous hand sometimes. Um, not always That's just the true. chip leaders. Um, but, but their response to raises have absolutely been shockingly tight. 
So as the person who's opening under the gun, it looks very strong. I, I don't know. I certainly don't know what Phil McAllister's opening range is here, but I would be really surprised with this many chips. It's, you know, like you said, 55 blinds or something like that. If he's not opening all the obvious hands, which to me include hands like King Jack suited, King 10 suited, Ace 9 suited, this is just, it's just going to be very effective to do that most of the time. I would think. I think uh, it's a little different when you are not the chip leader. You're third in chips. And also, like, I feel like ace nine suited is categorically different than king ten and king jack suited. It plays far worse post flop in situations where you're deep against your opponents. And I really, I, I fight back on ace nine suited. I think it is not a common open at all under the gun in this situation with 55 blinds. Okay. Well, let's even say you're right. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with you. I think a lot of people, especially when they're under the gun, are going to widen their, their under the gun bit a little bit and play a lot of suited aces here, um, even in this situation with 55 blinds, because it's a little bit deceptive. Um, you can, making the nut flush is really powerful. And under the gun, people just give you a lot of credit. So I don't necessarily agree with you. But again, we don't really know. I, we don't really have to spend time arguing over these, this marginal spot one way or the other. My point remains, even if you don't think he has any nines, you know, even if I do, he can have other hands that are medium strength, right? He can still have tens and jacks and eights, surely, right? So he can what have are the bad good queens, hands there? Worst queens. What are the, like, queen, jack, and king, queen? Queen, jack, suited, king, queen. Uh, king, queen, I, king, queen really plays almost the same as ace, queen here. Queen, jack, suited doesn't necessarily play the same. Queen, jack, suited, I think, is actually a pretty clear check because king, queen is so clearly in your opponent's range as a call there. Like, that feels like such... Not that it has but, to be a check, but I'm saying that makes a lot more sense to me to check than ace. But then you're only checking medium-strength hands. You're only checking medium-strength hands, then. You don't have to only check medium-strength hands. You could check a set once in a while. I think ace-queen is, like, strong enough, but not so strong that we should mostly be betting it. Of course, you should have a balanced range here and check some strong hands, too. I just don't think ace-queen should be part of that, for the most part. I think, like, I think you should maybe consider checking, like, a third of your sets. Like, one of, your, one of the three sets you should probably be checking. Maybe it's queens because it's so strong. Although, on a, bet, on a board this wet, I probably just want to bet your sets, too, actually. Um, like, but just, so just like small, small amounts of strength you can, keep, you can hold back. It doesn't have to be ace-queen, though. I don't know. I guess. I, I mean, I, 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 I would find myself betting ace-queen, I think, here. Yeah. But I also, I'm trying to figure out why Phil does it. And I think it's kind of a, an interesting play. I mean, I guess practically, like, is your plan just to three-bet shove if you get raised? I mean, that sounds terrible to me. So, oh, okay, no, so no, no, no. Three-bet shove. If I, I'm sorry, I was misunderstood. If I get raised, am I going to three-bet shove? No, I wouldn't three-bet shove. I'd probably call. And then call the turn, unless it's a diamond? Uh, call brick turns and probably call brick rivers. It depends on what... I mean, I don't know anything about Vlad mm-hmm. the Slay. I assume part of the reason why Phil McAllister does check is because Vlad the Slay is pretty darn aggressive and takes a lot... At least perceived, takes a lot of shots when checked to, right, as the chip leader. That would be a reason to check, yeah. So that's a reason to check, right. And I, don't, I, I assume Phil is not checking to check raise here. Um, no. But, if you, but, I mean, just like you're asking me, you know, are you three-bet shoving? If you're not check raising, it's not wildly dissimilar. It's not the same, but it's not wildly dissimilar, right? Um, I, think, I think you're playing, you know, to, like, call. Either if you bet. Obviously, you're not going to fold if you bet and get raised, right? Yeah, but it, it really is immediately quite uncomfortable, right? Like, sure. That's true, with almost got... any, that's true with almost any hand you can show up with. If you have aces, it's also quite uncomfortable when you bet and get raised. You're still losing the yeah. same value range, right? It's all the, I mean, it's the same. I mean, it's not the same, but it's the same in terms of... Like, if you don't have a set, it's always uncomfortable when you get raised, pretty much. I guess you can have top yeah. two, but otherwise it's just uncomfortable. It's just the deal. 
and you have to hold on against tough, aggressive players. And assuming Vladislav is that, which I actually don't know, but he's got all the chips. I'm going to assume he is for a second. Uh, you just got to hold on with, with parts of your range. And this part is, this is too strong, I think, to fold. Sure, I agree. But I think maybe it plays better as a check call uh, because we don't want to put ourselves in super high variance ICM spots here. Because let's assume Vladislav at least knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And like we're not doing great against the raising range, even though we're beating some of it right now. We're, equity-wise, we're not doing too well That's against fine. that range. But we get to call, and then we get to see the turn, right? And then if a diamond comes, we probably have to fold if it goes check bet. Right, but if it doesn't, now we're doing a lot better against the against the raising range. Right, if if what like a, a if a king break comes or, on the turn, what about a king or an eight? A king or an eight, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I guess we'd have to we'd have to sort of soul read the hell out of that and figure it out, you know, on on the on the fly, honestly. Like, what do we know about the player? What's the sizing? It's not great to hit a king or an eight either. You're certainly right. Because obviously Jack 10 gets there. That's what Grant's saying, guys. Because uh, yeah. you may have forgotten the board. It's queen nine seven with two diamonds. Um, but, you know, like if a deuce of clubs come off, comes off on the turn, we're doing pretty well against, against the raising range now, right? Like the, the equity against all the bluffs is strong now. And, yeah, the equity against the value is still terrible. But, you know, if we don't think this guy has any bluffs, fine. We should, we should fold when he raises, I guess. Or call once and fold the turn. But... This hand is just way too good to bet fold, and we're going to get destroyed by good players if we fold a hand this good just for a raise, you know? I think uh, maybe, maybe what McAllister is trying to do here is create that scenario where he won't let himself get destroyed by good players by folding, but just making it lower variance because of the ICM and the short stacks yeah. involved at the table. Yeah, that could be true. And it could be a combination of that along with trying to let Vlad the Slay just, you know, bomb away a little bit because he thinks Vlad the Slay is a little extra aggressive in these spots. And so if like if he has two sixes or something like that or just, you know, ace 10 suited, you know, he's just like, well, you checked. I might as well. You know, I can understand how with these short stacks, you don't want to play a big pot against me. So I'm just going to bet twice and see what happens. And I think Phil McAllister have a very clear check call, check call. And maybe on the river, you have to figure it out, but probably you have to call there, too. But at least you have. But like the first two streets are pretty straightforward if it's if it runs out clean, you know. Yeah. Well, either way, McAllister checks. Is there any reason for ace-king to bet once checked to here? I mean, the reason like, is you... to steal, but I don't know. Like, we're playing this. The pot is small. I think I'd be more apt to check back. Uh, like, the, when, when Phil McAllister checks, he usually has a showdownable hand, right? Usually has a, not a hand this good, but he usually has, like, two tens or something like that. He's not folding to yeah. one street. Unless we're planning on doing this multi-street bluff thing. I just want to check it back and see if we can hit an ace or a king and let him rep it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like you said, McAllister is a good player, so he's not only going to have medium strength hands. So, like, sure. the multi-street bluff might not be super profitable against the range if it includes some medium strength hands that will choose to hold on with potential blockers and stuff like that, along with some sets in, like, ace-queen type hands. Then, then it becomes a real problem. It's hard to imagine McAllister having any folds if we bet. Like, what hand did he play this way in his check folding? It's just... Maybe there's like a few, very few in his range, but almost none. And so I'm not sure what the value maybe betting is. pocket sixes, if he's opening that, maybe. I mean, you, if you don't think he's opening some of his other hands, pocket sixes probably isn't an open either, right? Probably. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of hands that are possible. Sure. Least. No, I was thinking sixes of myself. I just didn't say it because you attacked the other stuff I said so intensely. Um, you know, so like, but really, like, so, I, so I, I agree. Pocket sixes is the kind of hand he might check fold, but... 
I'm not sure if it's there anyway. I'd actually rather open Ace Nine suited, I think, than Pocket Six is under the gun because um, of the blocker stuff. Uh, and um, and if he had Pocket Sixes, he might bet to deny equity rather than check anyway. I don't know what he would do. But there's the point is there's very few hands no matter what, whether we want to add some, throw some of the stuff in there or not. There just isn't much, right? Yeah. So I feel like a check anyway. back is the play. And that is what Vlad the Slay thinks too. Cool. Checks back. Still about a million in the pot. Ace queen for McAllister under the gun on a seven, nine queen, two diamond board. And Vlad the Slay is ace king. Neither yeah. of them have a diamond. The turn is the king of hearts. That's does not bring a second flush draw, but it crazy. does bring top top for Vlad the Slay. I mean, come on. What the hell? Well, now as McAllister, you can't really bet this card, right? I mean, you can, but it feels like one of the cards you shouldn't bet. It seems weird to bet this because now there's nothing to really protect against, right? Like, yeah. if, you got to believe if Vlad the Slay had a draw, he's usually going to bet that on the flop, right? To start to right. build a pot, start to build fold equity, all those things. Even if it's a multi-street plan, probably is going to start most of the time betting that. So we don't have to usually protect against diamonds or, like... Jack-10, by the way, Jack-10 got there anyway, so whatever. Yeah. Um, an ace isn't a problem. A king's already there. We could bet to try and get value from worse hands, but now we're almost repping a slightly better hand than we have for no real reason. I think this is a check for McAllister. I agree. He does check. Here's the weird thing. Vlad the Slate checks it back with yeah. ace-king. Yeah. Why? All right, so instead of saying why, tell me reasons why. Why would you check back? <laughs> Why The best reason to check back, I think, is it looks like McAllister doesn't have a very strong hand. It looks like McAllister may actually find a fold with his pocket eights or something like that on yeah. his king-queen nine-seven board now as the board gets rougher and rougher. And king-queen, king-jack, that type of hand, king-ten suited, is all right in our range pretty strongly. Um, and we don't want to lose him. And we feel like we can get one, we feel like one street of value is the most likely thing we're going to get here. So that's the, that's the best reason I can come up with to check back. Can you come up with anything else obvious? No, that seems reasonable, but I guess the next question would be, that reason sounds actually pretty good to me. So, like, does the other reason of betting outweigh that? Your re- what's your reason for betting, and is that more important than the reason you gave for checking? I mean, the reason for betting is we have a really good hand, and it's time to start getting value. And is McAllister even folding one pair after it goes check, check, and then a king comes and he checks again? I don't know if he is. Like, I'm worried about him, quote, folding pocket eights, but is that even a real thing? Would he fold pocket eights? I don't know. Um, I don't think he's folding a hand as good as tens or jacks, where he's also got a gut shot and they're beating the nine anyway. Um, Probably not. We also really could have bluffs here where we checked it back once and then we, like, he checks again. We're like, okay, I guess I'm the big stack. I got to take a shot, you know? I think it's a bet. Uh, for those reasons, I think that outweighs the, the value of like, oh, no, I might lose. Pocket ace may not give us value on the river anyway. You know, like I just want to bet here before the board gets scarier and tougher to deal with and all that stuff. So I think I lean towards I don't just lean. I, I, I vote for betting here. What do you think? Yeah, I think I do, too. I slightly lean that way. Mm. Once again, I am concerned that McAllister's under the gun and I don't like the prospect of getting check raised, but it's probably not common enough for yeah. it to be a big enough to concern to stop the bet. I, I think, I mean, look, getting raised sucks almost always, right? And yeah, no, part of no limit hold them is you just have to, sometimes you just have to bet and be like, I hope I don't get check raised. And if I do, I guess I'm going to have to figure it out. Like sometimes you don't have time to plan for this stuff. Sometimes you do, but like, especially online, you just may not have time to plan for it so much. And I think you just have to bet in these spots anyway. Now, maybe 
uh, Vlad the Slay has other reasons to check, but like the fear of getting check raised, I don't think is a good enough reason. I agree with you to check back because yeah. like, even though it sucks and you're, I don't know what to do either in that spot. Like maybe we fold, I don't know. Maybe we, we probably have to call with Ace King actually, but, but whatever, like, let's just do it. Let him check raise. Mostly he's not going to do it. He's going to check raise like what? 3% of the time, 1% of the time. It's just not going to come up much. Yeah. Yeah. You. Well, Vlad does check back. He's just hoping that somehow McAllister has some sort of hand that he's going to turn to the to a bluff on the river. I guess. Yeah. Not not entirely sure, but that's what happens. We get to the river. Still a million in the pot. The river is the ace of diamonds. So both players with aces up now, and there is a third diamond on the board. Diamonds are not super likely for either player. Yeah. Although we have seen a lot of these thinking players checking flush draws more frequently these days than we used to. So it's maybe more likely than it would have been five years ago that one of them could have a flush. It's possible. I mean, it's not super likely McAllister has a flush, right? You figure like he would have bet his flush draw somewhere along the way when the, and it's queen high. And then the king comes on the turn after it goes check, check. And he still has a flush draw. Like how does he not bet the flush draw on the turn when the king, if he wasn't going to bet the flop, how does he not bet the turn? Just feels like almost impossible. But really for both of them, but especially for yeah. McAllister. I don't know. I think for bo- I think it's equal for both of them. Like yeah. Vlad not betting the turn. If if Vlad had, I don't know, what's a flush draw Vlad could have that actually makes sense on this board? Um, there's not that many of them, I guess. Nine, they, ten maybe of they diamonds? Have on, How about yeah, nine, nine, ten, ten of diamonds. diamonds? That's kind of the only one, right? Maybe eight, nine of diamonds. Yeah. Uh, which have showdown value, but... Not great showdown value against the under-the-gun range. Yeah. So I think it's still worth a semi-bluff. I think I would expect bets with those on the turn from Vlad. Me too. They bet, like, that's where you're like, hey, if you have two tens, maybe you'll, maybe you'll fold, and maybe I can get you to fold on the river, and I want to build a pot anyway, and I can yeah. always check back if I want. Like, I have all options available to me on the river. Yeah. I think it's usually about... I agree. I think neither of these guys have flushes almost ever here. My guess is McAllister probably even has less flushes than... Vlad the Slate, but it's whatever. It's infinitesimal for either of these guys to have a flash, it feels like. Yeah. So what do you think McAllister should do? Aces up. Got to bet now, right? I mean, I mean we've good gotten... Lord. I mean, if I was McAllister, I'd be kind of furious that I've lost this much value in this pot, potentially. Like, am I just going to, like, let... Of course we have to bet. <laughs> absolutely, of course. Maybe we'll get lucky and the guy hit an, has ace-10 and he hit an ace or something. Like, absolutely, let's bet. Maybe he'll yep. think, oh, we're, we're bluffing because an ace came and we're desperate. I don't know. Who cares? We have to bet. Well, McAllister does. Yeah. He bet 795 into about a million. So big bet. Yeah. Almost 80% of the pot. And he's pipped. He's pipped by Vlad the Slay. And the question is, can you raise? And is it smart to raise if you're Vlad the Slay with ace-king on this board? Again, the board is 7-9 queen, king-ace with two diamonds on the flop and the third diamond on the river. I think the, the most important question here is what are we targeting to call, right? What can actually call this raise that we're beating? I mean, it feels like, what does it feel like McAllister has? It feels like he has ace-10 suited or exactly. ace-jack suited. I think it's exactly, know? the ace-10 suited is like buried in my head, like burned in my head is like what I think he has if I'm sitting there. But yeah, ace-jack plays the same, of course. Um, yeah, that's what it looks like. So, so it looks like we're trying to take advantage of the fact uh, the question is, can those hands call? I think it's not impossible that those hands could call a race here. I, d- I don't know. Because what are we repping when we're Vlad the Slay? Well, you mean for value or like as a bluff? Yeah. The, the bluff for value. Out? Oh. 
Um, and for, like, what are what is our value and what is our bluffs when, if we race? I guess. Okay, our value is. It's hard to come up with a lot of value actually, which is kind of cool, right? Like, yeah, we don't really seem to have Jack Ten for the straight, and we don't really seem to have a flush, and we don't really seem to have a set, <laughs> almost ever, right? It's just really hard to come up with. Even two pair hands that maybe we're going to... Could we have like ace-nine suited ourselves somehow or ace-seven suited? I feel like he's lo- he's less likely to have ace-nine suited I agree. than McAllister based on preflop. I really agree with you. Um, but maybe because he has all the chips in the world and he's in position, he decides to call with a hand like that. But that's like that's like the best I can come up with like for the, the value hands. Ace-nine suited. Would he even raise ace-nine on the river is questionable. I don't know. We're, we're debating ace-king, so I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So the point is, there's, it's really hard to come up with value at all, which is one of the reasons why this is kind of an incredible raise, maybe. Like, if he doesn't seem like he has straights, flushes, sets, or maybe even aces up, <laughs> now it's like, well, geez, it looks like you're just trying to push me around because it looks like I made one pair on the river and I'm trying to get value from it, right? And you just think you can... And the story is, like, medium strength when actually, as Phil McAllister, I'm way stronger than that, you know? So the, so the bluffs would be hands like eights and tens and jacks? That Vlad this way played this way, or hands that he was giving up on, or no, maybe no. You're so, right. No, no, one pair of hands. I think like um, a weird seven, seven, six suited pocket sixes, pocket fives, maybe anything like that. These weak one pair of hands that are like, oh, I'm definitely losing now. It could yeah. be a little. It could be a little better than that too, right? It could be like we were saying nine, ten, any nine that he can get here with, which maybe is very tens, few. Tens and jacks. I said those are better. Sure, he could turn those. He could yeah. absolutely turn those into a bluff. Like, he could. But I think yeah. any, any one pair hand, basically, he could reasonably turn into a bluff here based on the story that McAllister's telling. It's kind of a cool raise. And so I think those are all reasonable bluffs. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. So it seems like he's got a lot of bluffs and almost no value. So he does raise. I think you kind of gave that one away, but he does. That's okay. He, he raises. You always do that, Levy. I don't care. Yeah, we're always, I'm always setting it up narratively to be like, should he raise or not? And then you give away within the analysis that he did or he didn't. Well, you and know what? You know what they say insanity is? By the way, this is not in any way the definition of insanity. No, they, it's not. They say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. So that isn't insanity. But whatever it is, that's what you do. You keep doing the same thing, you expect a different result. Maybe it's on you, bro. You don't it's like the result? Exa- do something different. No, it's not that. It's that I expect you to grow as a podcaster. And it's like I keep watering the plant for years and years and years. I even bought some miracle Grow, and still it's just like, yeah, shitty plant. Right, exactly. You keep watering the plant when the plant clearly does not, is not nourished by water, and yet you just continue to water it anyway. That's on you. you got to get this. you got to point the finger back at yourself. I'm trying so damn hard to believe in you, and you're not even letting me. <laughs> maybe, maybe take a different approach. I'm just putting okay, it out I'll there. Okay, I'll lower my expectations. Your I'll approach just lower so, has, them so far, your approach has been here's your approach. Every single podcast, I'm going to set it up narratively and hope it works out. And when it doesn't, I'm going to browbeat Jonathan publicly. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah. It hasn't worked, but I'm going to do it again next time anyway. And who's the fool? I ask you. Who is the greater fool? All right. Take it. All of, all of this vitriol aside, <laughs> yeah. can we maybe yeah. make a mental note as a person together? To try to keep the narrative nice and tight. Can we do that? Maybe you, the next time you're doing setting set up the narrative, could find a way to remind me. <laughs> like say something. How like, am I supposed to do that? Let's not give away what happens, but let me just let's not give away the whole thing here. We're just gonna talk about possibilities. <laughs> you could say that, but you choose not okay. to. All right. All right. 
Well, moving Vlad on. the Slay raises, and it's like so inconsequential at this point. I don't even care. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So, so first of all, so Vlad the Slay does decide to raise, and I think this is a really great race. I believe because of the thing we just said, which is it's hard to come up with any value. Vlad the Slay has like sneaky good value. You might actually get heroed by one pair here. Yeah, yeah. I think you might. Um, he makes it two point two four million. I think this is a mandatory call with Ace Queen yeah. because of the weird way they played the flop and turn. Yeah. And McAllister does call relatively quickly. This could have gone differently. It could have gone a lot worse for McAllister. Uh, I guess if McAllister bets the flop, it's just over. McAllister wins. But if Fled the Slay Probably. bets the turn, McAllister certainly can't fold. Maybe he ends up losing about the same amount. Maybe he goes check call, check call, and it ends up being about the same as it, as it is here. Not really sure. We don't we don't even know that necessarily Vlad the Slay is gonna fold to a tiny flop bet. He may call. We just don't know. Sometimes he yeah. will do that. He's in position. He may be like, I'm just gonna flat once to see what happens. You know, and then turn top Maybe. It's possible. I mean turning top pair is not ideal against the under the gun. I mean it can be good, but it's not as good as it sometimes is when you have ace king. I'm just saying if McAllister bets like one point seven blinds to the guy who's got hundred and fifty in position, he might call once. You know? Yeah, but this is a candidate to fold. Maybe if he had one diamond, he would call once. But that would like, be way better. Not even, not even having that, maybe he just folds. Right, but I'm saying you're talking about what are the ways this could have gone, but I'm saying it isn't automatic that he folds to a C-bet. That's all. Well, we're, I agree really with you. Fighting not, we're fighting every point this, <laughs> this podcast. Well, it's because all your points are terrible. Um, anyway, you know, you're right. This, this certainly could have gone, this could have been a way bigger pot almost no matter what. I was thinking about it like if Vlad the Slay three bets and McAllister calls, which is what I would expect him to do with ace, queen, pre. It goes check. I would expect we get a C bet, but McAllister's just going to call the C bet on the flop. And then Vlad the Slay's going to turn top pair. And by the way, he's going to get potentially three streets of value, certainly two. He's going to be able to bet the river. I think he's going to bet the turn and river, but maybe just bets flop and river. But whatever it is, he's going to get two streets of strong value after having already three bet. It's going to be a bigger pot. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. Either way, Vlad the Slay gets to win more. Do you know what the results of this tournament were? I do. I sure as I hell do. don't. Uh, Tonka ends up winning this puppy. Oh. And everyone's excited about that because, you know, he's a popular streamer. Excellent. Wonderful. Parker Superb. Talbot. Yep. He's... Uh, he dreams of being a poker guy, but there's only two spots available, buddy, and they're both taken. Nice dig, man. I know. Good I job getting him. that in there. <laughs> We're trying to build a feud here to be good for our brand. <laughs> We've had so many opportunities to have feuds that I we know. have not taken. I we could have feuded with Negranu years ago before oh my it was God. cool. We could have really feuded hard with Negranu, actually. Like, we chose not to, basically. Um, I mean, he was very, I mean, he's always been good to us publicly, like, really good to us publicly. But, yeah, there was an opportunity, and there was one moment especially where, like, had we done something that he asked us not to do, which we were considering doing, he, uh, it would have been a thing. We could have feuded with Polk many times. We, yeah, that's true. We could have easily feuded with Berkey. He was asking for oh it. Berkey, but we, I think, we took, yeah. we took the high road, which was definitely the wrong thing to do. What the we hell should are we have thinking? feuded. It's we time, should have feuded with let's, Berkey. Let's feud the next time there's a possible feud. Let's do it. Let's jump in with okay. both feet. Look what happens. Like, Negrano and Polk feud, and everyone's super excited now about it. Like, what are yeah. we doing? Just set our brand on fire every time. We're feuding. I guess let's, let's ask the listeners, because they, yeah. they like, the, the listeners who have been around for a long time probably actually understand our brand even a little better than we do, in a way, because they're the ones who are perceiving it from the user experience, okay. basically. Would you like us to get into a feud if given the opportunity? Would you like we could have feuded with Helmuth? We didn't oh, that really. That was an we, easy like, one. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the closest we ever got. Cause we did call him out on his bullshit, uh, like on our podcast and stuff, but we never like directly tried to feud with him. Mm-hmm. Would you guys like us to take our next feud opportunity? Or do you think that we should take the high road because we're high roaders? Okay. Let me, let me ask a second follow-up question though. If yes to the first question, who would you most like to see us feud with? Like, no, no, no. We're not going to start. Made. We're not going to start the feud. We don't. Oh. We don't poke. Why? We, because we still have to maintain our high road to a small extent, where we are the we're the respondents. Okay, I agree with that. But we could lay little seeds in the ground. No, <laughs> you know no, no, I mean? no, no, Look, no. I think Berkey would argue. Berkey would argue that we started it, even though, in my opinion, we didn't. But like, I think he would argue we absolutely did. Right? Yeah. Okay, but that's not that wasn't an intentional seed lay. Right. And I think if we start intentionally laying seeds, that changes the whole thing, and it makes me not want to be a part of it, man. Because I still have to have the high ground a little bit in the situation. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, how about this, guys? My my personal Twitter is Jonathan Levy one or something. You know, I, on Twitter you can find me anyway, and uh, just tell me who you want us to feud with, and I'll make it happen. Grant doesn't have to know. Everyone's clean. You're ethically fine, Grant. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Or actually, just do yeah. it at two poker guys, and he won't he won't read the Twitter feed for a while. Just no, go I'm going to read the Twitter feed. Just I, I check us, it every day. It has to be a famous person though, so that way we get the hits, get the views. <laughs> Got to get no. the views, the clicks. No, we're waiting for the famous person to poke us, and then we feud them. Let's feud with someone outside of poker who's a big deal. Let's feud with Don Cheadle. I'm ready. Why would anybody want to feud with Don Cheadle? He's, such a, he's, he's a lovely he man. Can't, you can't feud with Don Cheadle. That's a terrible idea. You're, you want to feud with Tom Hanks right now? Like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> How about J.K. Uh, J.K. Simmons? J.K. Simmons is awesome. I don't want to feud with J.K. Simmons. I want to be on Team J.K. Simmons. I, in, in the Levyverse, I know you very well yeah you're one of my best friends i want jk simmons to win the feud against you i love <laughs> jk simmons <laughs> i would be afraid to feud against him anyway that guy can be scary when he turns it on you know whiplash yeah, yeah. terrifying all right fine there's got to be some zach afron oh zach afron's good that's a major crossover potential with the tweens i love that zach afron with the it tweens is. <laughs> yeah we'll feud with we'll feud with the afron we'll make some tiktok videos you know if that's still allowed and uh about i just got one thing to say to zach here's an attack watch your back wait wait i'm gonna throw you on the do train you tracks that, do you think that feuds only take the form of rap battles <laughs> is oh. that what you think is there other what are the other options like what other things I mean, can we do? Can we just do normal did singing? Did you see did you see Doug Polk's video about Daniel Negreanu? Yeah. That's not a rap battle. <laughs> That's something no. else. That was uh it's too bad that they're that when they play each other, it's gonna be sort of just it's not gonna be interesting to watch. I, I'm sorry to say it's in theory it is, but it's not actually gonna be interesting. It's just gonna be Two avatars playing online poker, and we can't see the cards, and that's it. If we could get their faces, if we get video of them while it's going on so they could be talking trash, that would really change it, you know? They could hear each other. Now we're talking. They could see and hear each other while this is going on, and we could see it too. That would make it good for TV. But they're not going to do that because no one ever does that. Can we feud with Vince Van Patten? I want to feud with Vince Van Patten. Is he still alive? I, you know what? It, maybe. <laughs> I'm going to go with <laughs> Probably. Yeah, maybe. I, I think Brad Pitt was basically playing him in, the, in Ocean's Eleven, you know, at the beginning of Ocean's Eleven, right? Where he's, like, doing the celebrity poker training thing. He's basically being Vince was, Van Patten there. Really? Sure. You, know, you don't think Vince Van Patten's connected? Vance. Well, Vance. Well, I don't want to feud with the guy who's connected. We probably shouldn't feud with I mean, with connected, connected to, guy. like, you know... Chris Hemsworth and the lead singer of Nickelback. It's, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Oh, the lead singer of Nickelback. That's who we're going to feud with. 
That's good. There's a lot of nickel heads out there who uh, will get involved in this. A lot of nickel yep. heads. That's what they call them, right? <laughs> of course. Instead of knuckleheads, but they're nickel heads, obviously. Do I have to spell I everything this, out? I, I think this podcast has run its course. <laughs> <laughs>